Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Wednesday, December the 12th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, if you've enjoyed this week as much as I have, well, it's not quite over yet. We're going to review the All-22, including my five key elements from the play Plus, we'll have Lucas Braun of the Locked On Vikings podcast on for Crossover Wednesday. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. And check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We currently have the Ryan Tannehill passing chart up from the Patriots game. We'll have the Bills game here soon to follow and a preview of the Vikings tomorrow, as well as the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Vikings podcast podcast and Locked On Heat podcast for the daily coverage of all your favorite teams on all sports. Let's go ahead and jump right into the All-22 review. That's another Miami Dolphins. And first down on today's Locked On Dolphins podcast is brought to you by our newest sponsor at DraftKings. And I'll tell you more about their awesome promo with the Locked On Podcast Network here in a minute. But first, we've got to start with the play because... I would be disingenuous to start anywhere else. And if you're new to the show, you can find my video breakdowns on my Twitter timeline at Linkful NFL, as well as on the LockedOnDolphins.com page. And on that play, I've got five key elements essential to the success of the miracle in Miami, Boise, as it were. And the five key guys to that play are these ones. Kenny Stills, initially, that play is supposed to be an immediate pitch on the high-low concept. He is the high crosser. Devontae Parker is the low crosser. He's supposed to catch that ball and pitch it immediately, but because there is traffic around him, he hangs onto the ball, doesn't pitch it right away, finds a way to break a tackle, which is not usually in Kenny Stills' repertoire, and then gets the pitch to Devontae Parker, who is the important aspect number two of the play, because he pitches the ball off when really he didn't have to, but he gave it to the Dolphins' best playmaker on offense and pitched it in an option setting like a quarterback would do and the pitch was perfect so Devontae Parker number two number three Mike Kosicki you watch the other side of the field he sprints back and gets behind the play and it doesn't have an impact as far as touching the ball but what it does is keeps the Patriots honest to the throwback across the field and makes their defenders defend the entire field rather than chasing the ball and tackling Kenyon Drake number four is Ted Larson I think we all knew that was coming Ted Larson if you watch when Kenyon Drake gets the football in his hands Ted Larson is even with him across the playing field right around the 46 47 yard line and he sprints and takes off for the play immediately after the ball is released he's the only lineman that does that watch it on my all 22 breakdown on my twitter timeline it's fantastic it's great to watch it never gets old and number five obviously Kenyon drake the broken tackle the speed the angle the stutter step everything he did this guy's a big play machine i've been talking about it all year long now he needs more touches he'll get them but he was fantastic when the dolphins needed him and he kept their season alive. Now, as far as Kenyon Drake and Frank Gore and Brandon Bolden goes, the All-22 showed some fantastic work in the running game, both from an execution standpoint, but also in the scheme. They ran so much new stuff for different wrinkles, different variations off of previous stuff, a counter tray, pulling guards and tackles, Swanson 
at the center position, absolutely dominating this game, checking to outside runs against interior B-gap and A-gap pressure, Frank Gore finding a way to squeeze through the tiniest of holes, Laramie Tunzel dominant as always, and Jesse Davis with the huge bounce back game in this one. The offensive line whooped ass, Eric Stutisville whooped ass, and all the running backs whooped ass in this game. Kenyon Drake's electricity, we talked about it, how fantastic he is in open space, getting out on the edges, and of course making the big play. Kenny Stills has a huge day, not just as a pass catcher catching eight of the nine targets for 135 yards and there's a great clip of him running the over route and the safety closing down to rob that over route and Stills does very well to come back to the football and make the catch but also what he did in the running game and getting downfield for some blocks he was one of the highest grade run blockers in this game on pro football focus so check that out also, all the new personnel I talked about with Adam Gaze in the passing game and the running game, more 21 personnel than we've seen all year. Tons of 12 personnel going empty out of 12 personnel, going tight out of 21 personnel, mixing it up from those packages. And the Brandon Bolden touchdown, again, on my Twitter timeline, at Winkful NFL, is a great example of that as he has Kenyon Drake flexed out wide, Brandon Bolden flexed out wide. He motions into the backfield. Drake motions across the formation. They have no idea how to handle that, and it leads to a big touchdown with some key blocks from Jawan James, Travis Swanson, Durham Smythe, and Kenny Still. So check out all those plays again on my Twitter timeline. Also on my Twitter timeline, the Ryan Tannehill passing chart up on LockedOnDolphins.com. He was extremely sharp in this game, delivering the football with confidence and accuracy. His arm looks back to normal. He was a threat on the ground prior to the foot slash ankle injury. Ryan Tannehill played the best game of the year that he has had. And in my estimation, he has had five winning performances two losing performances, and one inconsequential. I think he's playing at a level we all had hoped he would coming back from the injury, and that spells a great recipe for the Dolphins moving forward. I had him with just one missed read, one missed target throw, and zero critical errors outside of a questionable throw to Stephon Gilmore that got dropped, but the Bryce Butler touchdown was a thing of beauty, and Tannehill showed a great amount of grit and tenacity to get that win for the Dolphins, played his best game of the year when the Dolphins absolutely had to have it. And let's flip things over to the defensive side here real quick on the Locked On Dolphins Wednesday edition, the All-22 edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And things were tough in coverage for a lot of these guys. Kiko, Jerome Baker, Walt Akins, Mika Fitzpatrick, Bobby McCain, Torrey McTire, TJ McDonald, Rashad Jones. A lot of dudes got picked on in the passing game from the tight ends and the wide receivers. But Miami erased the running backs in this game. And more importantly, the run defense was the absolute saving grace. I talked about 77 yards on 30 carries. The way they did that and the way they executed that plan was absolutely terrific. Matt Burke drew up a great game plan in that sense, and they had to find a way to mitigate the loss of Xavier Howard, and they did so by erasing the Patriots' running game. They showed some 5-2 alignments, some odd fronts, some 5-down linemen, what shows you they could possibly convert to a 3-4 in the coming years and kind of change the way they approach their defensive scheme, and they could do that because the linebackers, Kiko Alonso and Raekwon McMillan, both played fantastic up the middle in that game, and I think that maybe some of the fullback leads helped them with their keys, and I think that helped them diagnose their keys more quickly and they did that also because of Sylvester Williams and Ziggy Hood getting the job done up front. Devon Godshaw has a ridiculously powerful base. Cameron Wake getting that key pressure on third down and eight down close to the red zone. The Patriots would eventually miss that field goal but Wake blows off the line of scrimmage, beats everyone off the snap and makes the huge play. 
And just the overall effort of this defense was so terrific. Again, on my Twitter timeline, the video breakdowns, there is a clip of the defense on that final goal line stand forcing the Patriots to kick a field goal, keeping it a one-score game. The guys are playing their asses off, and it says so much about this team, their attitude, and their personality of the head coach. And it makes me proud to be a fan of this team, to cover this team, because they didn't lay down when they easily could have. They played to the very end, and that's why they won the game. All right, we've got plenty more show to get to, including the Crossover Wednesday guest from the Lockdown Vikings podcast. But first, a word from DraftKings. And we have this really cool new promo with our newest sponsor, DraftKings, as bragging rights and huge cash prizes are up for grabs this weekend and all season long on DraftKings, the leader in one-week fantasy sports. How huge? We're talking over $1.5 million in total prizes. With one-week fantasy at DraftKings, you choose when to play. Draft a new team every week with no season-long commitment, and at DraftKings, you are the GM. Just choose your players, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. No matter what your skill level, there's a contest waiting for you at DraftKings. So if you've been thinking about trying one-week fantasy football, now is the time to play because nothing makes Football Sunday more exciting, not even a Dolphins lateral Hail Mary play, than when you have a DraftKings lineup and some cash on the line. And to start things off, you can play for free with your first deposit to compete for your share of over $1.5 million in total prizes. Right now, go to DraftKings.com or download the app today. Use code LOCKEDON to enter a contest for free this weekend with your first deposit and compete for your share of over $1.5 bucks in total prizes. That's code LOCKEDON only at DraftKings, the game inside the game. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. It's Wednesday, the second segment, and you guys know what that means. It's Crossover Wednesday here on the Locked On Podcast Network, and it is my pleasure to welcome in my guest. He's the host of Locked On Vikings. You can find him on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. He is, of course, Luke Braun. Luke, what's going on, man? Hey. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, of course. You're one of the newer hosts on the network here, and Locked On Vikings is a great show, so I'm looking forward to seeing what you do with it. Let's go ahead and jump right in here first, though. And first things first, you guys just endured a really defeating loss, a deflating loss, I should say, on on Monday night. Really a stark contrast from what the Dolphins did this weekend. I actually watched the Miami Miracle once again before you came on the podcast here. But what's the general mood around the team, their fans, and the fine folks such as yourself that cover the team? Yeah, so it's uh, it's it's feeling like rock bottom after a loss like that. I mean, the team just looked like they didn't belong on an NFL field, at least on the offensive side of the ball. So it's it's pretty dismal. There was a lot of a ton of fire deep Filippo for the last I don't know three four weeks. So that happened, and and people kind of felt vindicated. But there's also been a lot of people calling for uh, fire Mike Zimmer or the Vikings to fire Rick Spielman, which I think is a bridge too far at this juncture but it gives you a sense of kind of what the mood is. It's it's pretty angsty. Yeah, you go back two, three weeks, and Dolphins fans were asking for Gaze's head. Mike Tannenbaum always is a favorite to be fired. I think every team in the NFL wants their offensive coordinator fired, unless you've got, like, Sean McVay. That's just what I've heard from just about every fan base. It's crazy. 
what do we know? What do they know, I guess? But let's go ahead and move on to the offense and kind of, I guess, the main subject of why maybe John DeFlippo was fired. And we've got to talk about Kirk Cousins because, you know, I've always thought he got a raw deal from fans, especially this year. And people really pile on him because of the contract. But I think he's actually played pretty well outside of the primetime games, which is what the casual fan always remembers. But what can you tell us about Kirk Cousins' first year in Minnesota? What have you seen personally? So I'm a hater. I'm a Kirk Cousins hater. <laughs> Perfect. Excellent um, contrast. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so he is a quarterback that can hit most of the throws on the field very accurately, which is really, really valuable. Um, and basically, if things are going according to script, Kirk Cousins is a quarterback that is as good as anybody in the league. Um, and it's when you have to go off script that you get these kind of clown show plays. Like what you saw last night, that like bizarre lateral backwards to Latavius Murray. He does that kind of thing all the time when the play starts to break down. He's not very good at evading pressure in the pocket. Once he's out of the pocket, it's very hard for uh, a, a good play to happen. He'll, he'll force throws across his body into tight windows because he tries to be a hero a lot. And sometimes it works out and he looks like a hero and it's amazing. And sometimes it's a pick six. And sometimes he loses his ball security entirely and he gets stripped and it gets returned for a touchdown. That's not the first time this season that that has happened. Um, so it's very much this like boomer bust life. And it's this wild roller coaster, which is kind of the way things were in Washington, too. Sure. So we're kind of stuck with that. Now we're, we're stapled to him through 2020. So I, I've been telling Vikings fans on my show to buckle up. <laughs> yeah, those guaranteed dollars are definitely interesting and really kind of changes the landscape of free agency in the NFL. And you talk about the roller coaster ride. This Dolphins defense, all they do is get takeaways. If they're not getting takeaways, they're getting smoked. So that'll definitely be an interesting matchup on Sunday. But let's go ahead and change gears here. I'm with Luke Braun of the Lockdown Vikings podcast here on Crossover Wednesday and kind of talk about maybe one of the reasons John Filippo was fired. The, the Vikings offensive coordinator was the hot name last year out of, out of Philadelphia. Another hot name this year to be a head coach candidate next year. That's the shocker of the year to me. Maybe I'm too far away from it. Why do you think that move was made? And do you think it makes things better or worse for the rest of 2018? So the second question first, I have no idea. And I don't think anybody does. The guy that's replacing him, his name is Kevin Stefanski. He's been with the organization for like 10 years and he's worked his way up through the ranks. He's coached the quarterbacks, the running backs, the tight ends. And he's been all over the organization, but he's never called plays. So we really have no idea what to expect. Um, but in terms of like why that happened and why, why he was let go, I think first and foremost, somebody needed to be blamed for what happened on Monday Night Football against the Seahawks. Uh, somebody needed to take the fall for that. And it turned out to be John Filippo. And there's been a lot, a lot of criticism about him not running the ball enough. But it's also a really weird dichotomy because the Vikings are horrible at running the ball. <laughs> so running it more might just mean a lot more failed plays. So it's like really hard to kind of pin down exactly what it is about John Filippo that everybody hated. But it is undeniable that everybody hated him. And it was very easy for him to be the scapegoat for what has kind of happened to an offense that's supposed to be star-studded with your $84 million quarterback and your all-pro digs and all-pro feeling and Kyle Rudolph's been there forever and Dalvin Cook is this like budding superstar and you can't move the ball, something had to go. 
Yeah, it's crazy. You mentioned the fact that everyone wanted him gone. Just a total turn as life comes at you very fast in the NFL. But I saw some numbers today. You mentioned the poor rushing attack, 30th in the NFL. I think they've allowed the most pressures on Kirk Cousins than any other quarterback in the NFL and ninth in overall efficiency, or ninth to last in overall efficiency. So very interesting. But the thing you talk about with the quarterback's coach, the fact that he has coached every position, it seems like, on the offense and that kind of makes me worried as a Dolphins fan just because of the Ewing theory. Maybe the guys elevate their game in place of the the original guy going out, whether it's a player or a coach. So definitely a very interesting dynamic heading into this game. And we've got plenty more ahead here with Luke Braun, including the Vikings offensive line woes. And if that defense is playing up to its talent, and we'll do that next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. And jumping right back into it here on Crossover Wednesday on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, my guest is Luke Braun of the Locked On Vikings podcast. And Luke, the defense of the Vikings is what really has me worried personally. Let's go ahead and start up front here. It's an all-star cast with Everson Griffin back, and I'm so glad to see him back, by the way. Daniil Hunter, Linval Joseph, Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr. How has that vaunted front seven performed this year so far in your estimation? It's been exactly what you would expect from guys like that. But you left out the name that might be the most important, Sheldon Richardson. Sure. Who is, uh, he, he's the new three tech. He came over from Seattle, spent a lot of time in New York. Uh, and he's been incredibly disruptive. He kind of got a bad rap in, uh, in Seattle because he wasn't getting home for a lot of sacks. But he was getting a lot of pressures, and that's kind of repeated itself. He's gotten some sacks this time, but still like a lot more pressures. And that means he's being very disruptive, and he's, he's messing up offensive plays. Uh, Daniil Hunter has been an absolute monster. He's been unblockable. He's uh, been able to get to the quarterback, chase him down. He's just this freak of nature. Everson Griffin has actually not really been the guy that we're used to seeing. That's kind of understandable because of what he went through earlier in the season. I'm sure that everybody's kind of familiar with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr at linebacker, they've been kind of struggling in coverage, but when those guys rush the passer, it's really, really difficult. And and Mike Zimmer's scheme has a lot to do with that as well. The Vikings are really good at uh, disguising their their coverages and, and their blitzes so that you don't actually know who's blitzing, and then it's really hard for the center or the quarterback, whoever it is, to call the right protection. We get a free sack of game off of off of the other team just having the wrong protection called because they had no idea who was coming. Well, that could be problematic because one of Ryan Tannehill's biggest deficiencies is the ability to recognize disguise coverages and get confused in those situations. So definitely another interesting dynamic going into this game. But I want to ask you a follow-up question about Sheldon Richardson. I saw he took an injury as the Vikings seemed to take on three or four injuries in the late part of that game. Is he going to be okay for Sunday? Uh, he's the one that I haven't heard anything about. I know that uh, of the other injuries, Brian O'Neill went down. He came back into the game, and Adam Thielen went down. He came back into the game. Uh, but as it stands right now, we haven't seen any practice rec- reports as of this recording, so it's hard to know whether or not Sheldon Richardson will will be able to to come back in. Um, I, I don't remember off the top of the head of, of my head if he came in near the end of the game. I'd have to go back and look. Well, that's very interesting about uh, Brian O'Neill because I, th- him and Thielen both looked like they were serious injuries. I saw Thielen back into the game. I didn't recognize that O'Neill did because I was wondering because Cam Wake is our all pro, all everything pass rusher, and he's continuing to get it done. So I was curious to see if he would have an impact that way. But let's go ahead and move back into the secondary here real quick. We all know about Harrison Smith and Xavier Rhodes, but that group in general has given the Vikings a top 10 pass defense almost across the board how would you measure their cumulative efforts and who is the guy that Miami could pick on come Sunday so right now uh the the second cornerback Trey Waynes is in concussion protocol and we'll see if he'll be good to go by uh by the time it's uh by Sunday 
but his backup, Holton Hill, is an undrafted free agent rookie. He was supposed to be a, a second or third round talent coming out of Texas this year, but he had all kinds of off-field issues with marijuana. He had all kinds of infractions and stuff, but only with the university. None of it was with the NCAA, so it was very cloudy. And he's been able to keep his nose clean, and he's been playing out of his mind as a backup. Uh, a lot better than you would expect from a backup corner. Xavier Rhodes has been playing hurt all year. Yeah. So I know it kind of sounds bull, but he has not been himself this year. And if you ask any Vikings fan, they, they're kind of getting worried about like what's wrong with Xavier Rhodes. So if I'm Adam Gase, I would go right at Xavier Rhodes and test his health. That's really interesting. And I've seen a lot of uh, some of the premier corners in the league seem to have been struggling this year. Jalen Ramsey, obviously part of that group. And yeah, Xavier Rhodes could be added to that. We have our own star cornerback rising up, Xavier Howard, who we'll see about his health and his status for Sunday. But definitely, again, this game really stacks up interestingly to me in terms of matchups, in terms of both teams really kind of desperate for a win, maybe even more so the Vikings now at this point. But anyway, with that in mind, Luke, I end every single crossover Wednesday with this exact question. And what is your prediction for the game on Sunday? So I actually think these teams are really evenly matched. You know, you have, what, 7-6 and six Dolphins versus 6-6-1 six, six and one Vikings. They're both teams that are hunting for a wild card spot. They're both teams that have kind of had their ups and downs all season. And I kind of have a rule of thumb. Whenever the team is evenly matched, I default to the home team. So I'm going to say that uh, the Vikings are going to win this time. Um, but I don't think it'll be easy. I don't think it is, it's going to be uh, a two-score game even either way. I think it's going to be a one-score game. I think it's going to be really close and really scrappy, and I think it's just going to come down to, honestly, what the Dolphins can do against an offense that they can't scout, really, because the guy that's calling the plays has no tape out there. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like, like I said, this game just has so many interesting pieces to it, and I can't wait to see what happens. Obviously, you guys are kind of on the ultimate low. The Dolphins could not be on a more imaginable high, so that definitely, I think, plays into the Vikings' hands. But we'll have more on this matchup for you guys tomorrow on the preview podcast as I get into the Vikings' film. But let's go ahead and wrap this podcast up with Luke Braun of the Locked On Vikings podcast. You guys can find him on Twitter, at NFL and also on purpleptsd.com. Luke, thank you for joining me, my friend. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. The pleasure is all mine. And we send Luke off now and get ready to wrap this podcast up. I mentioned it earlier, the preview edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast coming out for you guys tomorrow. I'm going to get heavy into this Vikings film. And I don't know how much I can study because as Luke mentioned, the new quarterbacks coach calling the plays now for the first time. It'll be a very interesting dynamic to see how Matt Burke cooks up a plan to face these guys. He was definitely different in his approach on Sunday against the Patriots. Probably going to have to reinvent himself once again and hopefully find a way to stop the running game because if they do that and make Kirk Cousins one-dimensional, I think they can get those takeaways and find a way to win this very important game. And if the Dolphins win this game, in my opinion, they're going to the playoffs. So it's a big, big game on the road. We'll see which team shows up for the Dolphins. But as for this edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins and keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your Wednesday night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for a preview edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Miami Miracle, fins up, baby.